This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to take God's Word and go with me to the Gospel according to Mark, chapter number one, the Gospel according to Mark. And uh, last uh, Sunday we began looking at this Gospel according to Mark. And uh, we noted four things in the opening verse. Uh, We noted the announcement, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God. The good news, that's what the gospel means. And uh, those readers who would have uh, in that day read this uh, gospel record would have noted just by the usage of the word gospel that there was a new king who had come. And uh, Mark explains to us that king is Jesus Christ. But he's not just any king, he is the king. And uh, he's not just a man, he's the son of God. That was the announcement. We we looked at the author, that was Mark, and we saw that Mark uh, recorded, uh, we believe that uh, history reveals to us, and the Bible reveals to us that Peter heavily influenced the life of Mark and the writing of Mark Uh, in this gospel record. And so we saw the author and how God worked in that uh, man's life, Mark, who had at one point uh, left his duty. He went absent without leave uh, during the missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas, but later uh, was restored and became very profitable uh, to Paul and to the work of the ministry and had a special relationship with Peter who referred to him as uh, his son. And uh, so we see uh, the author was Mark. And then we looked at the audience and the audience uh, would have been uh, the uh, Roman culture of the day, especially the common man and the slave who lived in Rome in that day. And of course the Roman Uh, economy and the Roman culture uh, leaned heavily on slavery. And slavery in Rome was not uh, necessarily what comes to our mind today in America in the sense of it being uh, specified to a particular race of people. Uh, There was a myriad of people who were uh, considered slaves in that day. Uh, Not based upon their ethnicity or the color of their skin. And uh, this Roman culture leaned heavily upon slavery and servanthood. And the gospel according to Mark was written in a language that the common man could understand. The announcement of a new king who did not come to enslave them, but who came to free them. And that king, of course, is Jesus. 
and so the audience. And then we saw the aim. The aim was that they would come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now as we pick up in the gospel according to Mark, we're going uh, to examine uh, the life and the ministry of John the Baptist. And I want you to notice again, beginning in verse 1, we'll read through uh, verse number 8. The Bible says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Uh, it may appear, of course, to many in Judea uh, and to those of us as we read this gospel, uh, I imagine it especially appeared to those uh, who read this epistle in Rome, or this gospel rather, in Rome, uh, that John was a man who just seemingly came out of nowhere. The messenger of the Lord. The Bible says in, in verse number two, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face. But we, uh, we understand that John was not a man who came out of nowhere. John was a man who God sent. He was a man that God used uh, to prepare the way of the Lord. He was the herald that God would use to announce the arrival of the king. And I'm thankful that God used this man this way. And I'm thankful that the message of the king went forward and people uh, believed upon him and they have everlasting life. And I'm thankful that you and I have heard that message and we have received that life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I want you to know this morning that not only is John, or was John, a messenger of God who went before the people to prepare for the arrival of the Savior, but God has called you and I to be messengers. And we're not heralding the first coming of the Savior. Oh, that's already taken place. But we are heralding his message, preparing people for the second coming of the Savior. And make no mistake about it, he's coming again. As we look at this messenger sent from God, I want us to notice some things this morning. I pray that God will use to help us. As we examine the life and ministry of John the Baptist. He's not called John the Baptist because he was 
a Baptist by denomination. He is called John the Baptist because he was a baptizer. And we're going to examine that this morning. And may the God by his spirit speak to our hearts. Would you pray with me? Fathers, we come to your word today. We come expressing to you our great need for understanding. We lean heavily upon the ministry of the Holy Spirit to be our teacher in this hour. And I pray that you would help us to receive your truth. I pray that you would help me as the preacher in this hour. Holy Spirit, fill me with yourself and help me to proclaim your message. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to look at three thoughts this morning as we examine this passage of Scripture. Number one, the promise of the messenger. Number two, the proclamation of the message. And number three, the peculiarity of the method. I want us to look first of all at this question or this statement, the promise of the messenger. The Bible tells us in verse number two, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. You see, with the arrival of a new king, uh, there would have certainly been an expectation that a herald or a forerunner would have preceded that king and announced his arrival, that he was on the scene, that he had come. And that herald, that one who was the forerunner, is John, John the Baptist. We see that John, the Bible tells us, was sent by God according to, verse number 2, what was written in the prophets. I want you to find these passages with me. If you go to Isaiah chapter 40, and verse number 3, Isaiah chapter number 40 and verse number 3, we're going to see uh, exactly what Mark is referring to as he penned that statement, as it is written uh, in the prophets. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 3, the Bible says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness... Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Then we turn to Malachi chapter number 3 and verse number 1. Malachi chapter number 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. You see, God is preparing his people for the coming of the Messiah. He is preparing them for the coming of the Lord Jesus. And he does not leave them in the dark concerning how this coming will take place. And he goes to great pain to tell them that he will, with the new coming king, send 
a messenger, a herald who will go before him. I want you to go with me to the gospel according to Luke in the New Testament. We learn a little bit about John's conception and his birth. Luke chapter number 1. And verse number one, or verse number five, rather, Luke chapter number one and verse number five, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years. What we know about this couple immediately is that they're older people. We're not exactly sure what age they are, but this we do know. They're well stricken in years. That means they're a little bit older than 50. (laughs) And what else, what other thing that the Bible points out to us is that Elizabeth was barren. That means up until that point, they had no child. What we understand by that is there was some physical reason that these two were not able to have a child. And not only was there a physical reason as far as a condition or a a problem that would not allow them to produce a child, but now on top of that, we find them at a stage in life where they're past childbearing. And here this man is carrying out the office that God had given him to do. And an angel appears to him in verse number 13. The angel speaks to him. Look at it with me. Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. We immediately know that obviously Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth have been praying for a child. Now I would imagine at this point in their lives they probably weren't praying that as consistently as they did in their youth. Maybe it had been years since they had prayed that. But let me tell you, God heard their prayer. And God did not forget. Perhaps they had forgotten But God did not forget their prayer. And the angel says, your prayer has been heard. Notice what he says in verse 13. For thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. There's the messenger. Prophesied in Isaiah chapter 40. Prophesied in Malachi chapter number 3. And now here God is speaking to this man as he's doing his priestly duty who is well beyond the time of childbearing and he has a wife who has some need or condition that causes her not to be able to have a child. And he says, you're going to have a son and his name is John. Verse 14, and thou shalt have joy and gladness and many shall rejoice at his birth. 
Verse 15, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias or Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias answered perhaps the way you and I would have answered. How in the world is that going to be? And so the Lord touched Zacharias. He was not able to speak. And he left his service in the temple and he was not able to speak. He went home after his course of ministry had been completed. He went home to his wife and the Bible tells us that she conceived and she had a son. And this son, when he was born, and by the way, before he was born, Elizabeth, who was the mother of John, had a visit from Mary who the angel had spoken to. And he said, you are with child of the Holy Ghost. Notice if you would please with me. Uh, in verse number 40, the Bible tells us in verse 39, rather, Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Now Elizabeth is expecting at this point John, well stricken in years and barren up until that time. And it came to pass when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary. The salutation was the news that Mary was going to have a child, the Son of God, conceived by a supernatural act of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe in her, John, little John, that was being formed in her womb, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us, the Word of God tells us, that little John, inside his mother's womb, leapt with joy at the news of the coming of Jesus. You want to tell me that baby is just something that science has termed now a fetus with no personality, with no life? I want to tell you that child had life in his mother's womb. There's a battle raging in our nation over this subject of abortion. And it's on public display and has been throughout this week. And make no mistake about it. Whatever facts may flow out of this uh, happening in Washington, D.C., make no mistake about it, there is a multitude of people who have sworn allegiance to the uh, agenda of abortion and they will do everything they can to preserve that agenda. And as God's people, we need to be discerning and we need to be praying. This little baby in his mother's womb prophesied 
hundreds of years before his birth and conception, is leaping at the news of the coming of the Savior. He's filled with the Holy Spirit of God in his mother's womb. Time had come and Elizabeth in verse 57 brought forth a son. And everybody came together to rejoice and see the baby. They wanted to see the little baby that had been born. And they said, what are you going to name him? And Elizabeth said, we're going to name him John because that's what the angel said to name him. And they, they tried to ask Zacharias. They thought, well, that's unusual. There's nobody in the family named John. Why in the world would they name him John? Are you sure about that, Elizabeth? And so they said to Zacharias, Zacharias, are we going to name him? What are we going to name him? And of course, he hadn't been able to speak. And so Zacharias wrote his name out. Verse 63, and he asked for a writing table and wrote saying, his name is John. <laughs> Zacharias said, his name's John. That's what the angel said. And I'm not going to question him anymore because I can't speak right now because I did. Notice what happened in verse 64. And his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed and he spake and praised God. Here's a guy that everybody knew who couldn't speak for nine months and more. And as soon as that baby was born and he said, his name is John, his voice came back to him. He could speak. And when he spoke, he praised God. Oh, those of us who have the ability to praise him now and we don't do it. Uh, when this man's voice was gone, when he had no ability to communicate, the first thing he did when he got it back was praise God. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I tell you, if you hadn't sung in nine months, you might want to come in and sing these hymns with power and conviction and joy in your face. If you haven't been able to speak to anybody in nine months, maybe the thing that's going to come across your lips is the name of Jesus. And that's what happened with Zacharias. He praised God. Notice verse 65. Fear came on all that dwelt round about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. I mean, they all said, this is amazing. Here's this older couple. They've never been able to have a baby. And now Zacharias gets a visit from an angel, says, you're going to have a baby. Zacharias says, how? The angel says, hmm, zip it up. You're not speaking. Elizabeth conceives. Now Mary's conceived. They say her child is conceived of the Holy Ghost. Here's John. He's born. His dad writes his name is John. His tongue is loosed. He praises God. Everybody says, what in the world is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. God is showing everybody the king is coming and here is the way and John is going to prepare the people for the coming of the king. The promise of the messenger. And then I want you to see, secondly, the proclamation of the message. Verse 
the proclamation of it. And go back with me, if you would please, to the gospel according to Mark. Chapter number 1. And find, if you would, verse number 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Taken straight from Isaiah 40 and verse 3. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Here is the proclamation of the message. Who was John? The Bible tells us in verse 3, he was a voice. They asked him, they said, Art thou Elijah? Are you Moses? He said, no, I'm just a voice. I'm a voice. And all I'm here to do is speak on behalf of the one who is coming, Jesus. Just a voice and a voice with a message. Remember the Bible says here in verse number two, Behold, I send my messenger, and the messenger has a message. And John was there as a herald to proclaim the message of the coming king. Now notice three things about this message. It was a message of readiness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. In the ancient world... A royal forerunner was charged with uh, going before the king and making the road ready for his arrival. John sought to remove the obstacles of stubborn unbelief from the hearts and minds of the sinners. The way of the Lord is the way of repentance, a turning from sin to righteousness, and of turning spiritual paths that are crooked into ones that are straight. And holy. You see what John was doing? He was coming into a, a, a Judean time where the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, were, were scrambling for power. The Herodians were scrambling for power. The Roman uh, rule had been established in that place. The people had sort of become apathetic. Their religion was formal. Their religion was cold. And they were divided along political lines, along cultural lines, along racial lines. Their allegiances were not to the Lord, but they were to systems. And John comes to prepare the people to ready their hearts for the coming of a king. And he deals with the Pharisees and the religious leaders and he calls them a den of vipers. Imagine the boldness and the courage it took to look them in the face and call them a den of vipers. He wasn't politically correct, was he? Now, he wasn't unnecessarily contentious. But he was exposing them for who they were. 
a den of vipers. We, we've seen a few dens of vipers, haven't we? And that's exactly what they were. They were a den uh, of vipers. And he is trying to prepare the people. He's trying to ready them for the coming of the king. He's working to remove the obstacles of unbelief and point them to the Savior. Uh, We see that his message was also a message of repentance. Notice in verse 4, And John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. One commentator says the way of the Lord is the way of repentance, of turning from sin to righteousness and turning, uh, uh, turning and of turning to spiritual paths uh, and, and taking those crooked ones and making them straight and holy. John Phillips says there's all the difference in the world between John's symbolic baptism with water and the supernatural baptism that the Lord Jesus would perform by the Spirit. John showed the people their natural hearts. Jesus gave people new hearts. John brought people to the Jordan, to the river of death. But Jesus brings people to the river of life. You see, the word repentance means to change. It means to understand that there's something in my life that is displeasing to God. Maybe I am doing something that God does not approve of. Maybe I'm not doing something that God wants me to do or commands that I do. And either by doing something he doesn't want me to do or by not doing the thing that he wants me to do, I have transgressed his law, I have sinned against him, And I need to repent. I need to see the truth. I need to see my error. And I need to bring my life into line with the truth. A correction needs to be made. A change needs to be made. The word repent means to agree with God concerning my own sin. And to turn from it. So his message to the people was one of readiness And one of repentance, and it was one of remission. For the remission of sins. The word remission literally means the cancellation of a debt. The Bible tells me the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Most of you know what a wage means. You go to work, you work so many hours a week, you keep up with what you make, I imagine... By the hour and you get your pay stub at the end of the week or maybe it goes into your bank account electronically. But you're going to make sure that you're getting paid what you worked for. That's your wage. You worked for it. You earned it. The Bible tells me that what I earned because of my sin is death. There is a debt that I owe God. And if I tried to pay for my sin, I would spend all eternity in a place called hell. And so the remission of sins means the cancellation of my debt against God. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. And so here's the message. John is preparing the people. Here's what he's saying. The king is coming. John Revere ran through the streets 
on his horse. He didn't run, he rode. He rode through the streets and he said, the British are coming and the British are coming. And people could hear him and they, they understood what was happening and the men readied themselves and they prepared for battle. John was a herald and he said, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. It's time to get right. It's time to repent. It's time to seek the Lord. Can I tell you? Jesus is coming. It's time to get ready. It's time for God's people to repent. It's time for those who do not know Jesus as their Savior to get their sin under the blood and make sure their debt is canceled and they're on their way to heaven. This is the message and the proclamation of it. I want you to note with me the third thing. And that is the peculiarity of the method. Now, I want to tell you that John the Baptist was not necessarily what the people anticipated. He certainly did not subscribe to the practices of the religious leaders. He was a man who stood out. He was a man who employed a peculiar method, but God used him. I want you to notice it, if you would, please. In verse number five, And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sin. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey. That's what we're serving this afternoon. Our afternoon crowd will be very sparse after locusts and wild honey. Verse 7, and preach, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he, that's Jesus, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Now we see the peculiarity of the method. This guy's not what you'd expect. We see, first of all, he ministers in a peculiar place. Where is he ministering? In the wilderness. He's not in the synagogue. <clears throat> he is not in the city center of Jerusalem. He is not in the courtyard of the temple. He is not in a convenient place. I don't think he had an air-conditioned building. He did not have soft padded chairs or pews. He met with the people in the wilderness. There wasn't prime real estate. There's no major highways. Or thoroughfares. There's no parking available. He is a peculiar man 
employing a peculiar method, preaching in a peculiar place, outside of the norm. And then we see that not only is there a peculiar place to note here, but there is obviously the person of John, and he is a peculiar person. Notice what the Bible says about him in verse number 6. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey. So we see a a peculiar place, but we see a peculiar person. He was a standout in the crowd. He was different from the rest. Really, it's a return to the lifestyle of the Old Testament prophets. And John, in truth, is the last of the Old Testament prophets. Remember, it had been 400 years since a prophet had raised his voice in Jerusalem. 400 years. And finally, after 400 years of silence, here's a man who is a prophet of God. By the way, Jesus said in Luke chapter 7, among those that are born of woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. And here he is. And he's not in the priestly robes and regalia of the day. He is not dressed in fine linen. He is not dining at the uh, the greatest restaurants. No, what we find is that he is a different and distinct kind of person who really goes back to the days of the Old Testament prophets. We see something about his dress. And in 2 Kings we, we find about the dress of Elijah. And as we study the dress of those two men, we see that perhaps John modeled his dress after that of Elijah, clothed with camel's hair and a girdle of skin. He had a leather belt and, a, and, a, and a camel's hair as a garment. And then he ate locusts, and wild honey. How many of you have tried a few grasshoppers lately? I'm told it's a great source of protein. I find there's other sources that I can enjoy better than that. What does this speak about? This speaks of his humility. It speaks of the fact that he is not a part of the current day religious system. He is not someone who is trying to profit off the people. He's not seeking his own empowerment or his own position. He is humbling himself before God. He is dressing in a manner that is distinct and speaks of the fact that he is fulfilling the the, the office of the Old Testament prophet because that was what was needed in that hour. You see, what we find in looking at his life is that his life was in line 
with what he believed and what he preached. Someone has said it this way. John the Baptist embodied his message. In fact, he was the message. Preaching, someone asked, is it the art of making a sermon and delivering it? The answer came, no, that's not preaching. Preaching is the art of making a preacher and delivering that. You see, as individuals who bring the message of Jesus to a lost and dying world, our lives need to reflect the truth of that message. In other words, it's not how well we present it. Our wit and our humor and our persuasive ability to speak. That's not what it's all about. It's about the depth of the conviction of that message as it is lived out in our daily lives and demonstrated to a lost and dying world who said there's a guy who's not perfect but who believes what he says and lives what he believes. Now listen, listen. Hickory, North Carolina is looking for that kind of a Christian. In the, in the retail centers, in the manufacturing plants, in the offices, in the neighborhoods. Hickory, North Carolina needs to see messengers who believe what they say and live what they believe. And the world will say, they're a little bit different. And that's okay. In fact, that's good. Because the Bible tells us we are a peculiar people. And the Bible says they will think it strange that we don't run in excess and riot with them. I was invited once to a dinner and my wife and I attended that dinner and we were offered not once, not twice, but numerous times alcohol. We didn't get indignant or arrogant. We just kindly said no thank you and had water. Later on, the person who invited us to that meal asked me a question. They said, I need to talk to you. Did I offend you? I said, no, you didn't offend me. It was uncomfortable for them. It was uncomfortable to some degree for me, but it was far more uncomfortable to them because they thought it was strange that I did not participate in what they participate in. And when the world looks at us, they're going to think it's strange. But I want to tell you, 
God uses peculiar people. So here he is. A peculiar person in a peculiar place with a peculiar passion. He's not like the priests. He's not like the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's out there in the wilderness. And let me tell you what he's doing. He's preaching up a storm. He he didn't come there to give a little homily. He didn't come there to give a little talk. He didn't come there, you know, to have a kind discussion. He came to proclaim the message of God. And he did it with passion. He didn't say, you know, Jesus has come. And it might be a good idea if you would believe. No. He said, you need to understand. He's coming. And you need to get ready. And you need to repent. And you need to get right for the remission of your sin because he's here. Jesus is here and he wants to save you. And when they left the Judean hillside, they didn't have to wonder what they needed to do. He told them very plainly, very courageously, very boldly, very passionately what it was they needed to do. They needed to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. I imagine he raised his voice. I imagine that he he was definitely outside the norm of what their modern day current religion had taught them was acceptable. He had a peculiar passion characterized by boldness, characterized by clarity, And here's something else they weren't used to seeing. Humility. Humility. What did Jesus say? Notice verse 7. There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. Have you read the comments of the scribes and the Pharisees as they interchange with Jesus throughout the Gospels? You wouldn't have heard that coming out of their mouths. I'm not worthy, he said, to stoop down and unloose him. The latchet of his shoes. His humility. Pride doesn't look good on any Christian. You see, he was in a peculiar place. He's a peculiar person. He had a peculiar passion And then lastly here, he had a peculiar power. Notice what the Bible says in verse 5. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sin. This man had a very powerful and persuasive ministry, did he not? Everybody went to hear him. And they didn't, they didn't demand that he preach in, in the temple or the synagogue. 
They were willing to go out themselves into the wilderness. That was pretty powerful in itself. And then when he preached, they responded. And they were baptized. That's something a Jew didn't do. Oh, there were ritual washings. There was the baptism of a Gentile convert, which was symbolic to say, I'm leaving behind what I came into, into this thing with. I'm leaving behind my Gentile heathen ways. I want to become a Jew and follow God's word and God's law. But for them to be baptized, that was radical. Can I tell you? We have a king who's coming. Just any day now. Evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. God has some messengers. He's known you since the foundation of the world. He's given you physical life. He went way out of his way to give you spiritual life. And now he's called you to be his messenger. Will you speak of him? Will you live for him? Will you embody that truth? It's high time for us to awake, isn't it? It's a time for us to examine our lives. It's time for us to get some things right with God. There's some sin that we need to repent of. We need to get ready for the coming of the Lord. I think of my granny who would say to me, I wouldn't want to say something like that when the Lord comes. I wouldn't want to be in a place like that when the Lord comes. And I'm just going to be honest with you. There are times I don't want to be in the condition I find myself in if the Lord were to come. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.